This is Iron Sports, and we're so fortunate to have Bobby Burton from On Texas Football on to preview the Sugar Bowl between Texas and Washington. Thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports, Bobby. I appreciate it, Ira. How are you doing today? Great. I, you know, I went and asked all my friends that are big UT fans. I said, you know, who should I have on? And they all said, Bobby Burton, Bobby Burton. So I'm, got, I'm so happy that you're able to come on. I think I asked five different people and they all said you. So you are the expert on this. So this is this is exciting. Um, I want to say I went down to Texas for a game this year. I saw Texas play Kansas and the app, it's my first time there. And the atmosphere was everything I thought was going to be just simply amazing. You did a great job with the stadium. They fixed it all up. But just the, the atmosphere of the walk, everything. It was, it was perfect. Yeah. The, the, the new athletic director, Chris Del Conte came over from uh, TCU about five years ago and he's created a much better, uh, more fun atmosphere around the stadium pregame. So there's all kinds of tailgating as well as, I mean, there's almost like a carnival like atmosphere in one, one section for the kids. So it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch it, but of course, uh, nothing to compare to what's happened on the field for the Longhorns this year. Yeah, I mean, this is your the history of the program is tremendous. The national championships are the '63 and '69. I'm a big Penn State fan. That was a year that was a call out of controversy of Texas should have won that <laughs> '70. And then, of course, we all remember 2005. Vince Young, the one of the considered one of the greatest college football games ever played between USC and Texas. And then you went through coaches after Mac Brown left, a Charlie Strong, Tim Herman, just sort of this 500, and Texas was sort of an afterthought. But then hiring a Steve Car- Steve uh, Sarkeesian has really just now, I saw that article you just wrote about it, the, what he's taken, he's now taking Texas to that next echelon, the next level. Yeah, he really has. I mean, he started off 5-7, and seven, Ira, then went 8-5 and five last year and showed glimpses of, of being a really good team, but just never really cashed in. They lost a lot of close games. Every game they lost last year was by one score. Um, so they were eight and five with five one score losses. This year they won all those one score games except for one against Oklahoma, which is their heat, their hated rival. You know, and so I just feel like he's got the program on rails right now. It's really going in the right direction. And I will tell you this as, as someone who has followed football a long time, the one thing that Sark has done he's really made the quarterback room elite. Um, and it's not just – and that's why I think Texas right now has staying power beyond this year. Um, it's not just Quinn Ewers, who I think is going to end up being a first-round draft pick probably next year, but also Arch Manning behind him. And he's got a bevy of young quarterbacks that he thinks are going to be pretty good. So I, I just feel like they've got the quarterback room figured out, and now it's about putting all the pieces around them. And when you're at a place like Texas, that's actually the easy part. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? It's like if, if you get the quarterback right at Miami or Florida or Florida State, you can kind of find the pieces around them, right? Um, that's the same way it is at Texas, and, and that's kind of what Sark's done at this point. And he's a different coach than he was. At, he went to Washington, was successful there, then went to USC and had a, a you know just a bad falling out of the situation. That was, and then sort of went to Alabama, got you know whatever everything the, the magic pixel pixel dust that Saban throws on these coaches and comes out. And now is just a much more innovative coach than he had been. I think that time in Alabama really helped him in terms of, and also maturity after over those years in terms of being a coach now. Oh, absolutely. I think. You know, I don't think he, I mean, he doesn't shy away from the fact that he's a, an alcoholic. And, you know, you don't, you never finish being an alcoholic. You just continue to be one, but don't, don't, you remain sober, right? And so I don't think he shies away from that discussion. And I think within that was a lot of self-discovery for him. And he talks about it pretty openly. He doesn't use it as a crutch. 
He uses it as an opportunity. And, you know, from, from people that talk to him, he has changed um, from his 20s and 30s when he was a young wonderkind <laughs> assistant uh, for Pete Carroll and those those odd years, you know, for, for them when they were so good and with Matt Leinert, Mark Sanchez, those guys. He, he has changed from talking to people that have been around him uh, off and on, but it, it's not some sort of crazy change. It's just it feels like he's more comfortable in his own skin and he's tr- staying true to who he is. Did you find this year to be a distraction? It, was it the, the idea that the Texas is moving now to the SEC, Oklahoma's moving to the SEC, um, they're not going to be in the Big 12? How they, It didn't seem to affect them that much. And they usually, you know, it, it but it just seemed like there was a lot of controversy and all the talking about this where Brett Yormack, the commissioner, was saying, I'm rooting for everybody but Texas and Oklahoma, that type of thing. Yeah, they even had, I tell you what, they used it as a little bit of a rallying cry. Uh, so they, they had T-shirts printed up in the preseason called Embrace the hate. <laughs> they were like, you know, we, we got to make this, we got to turn this into something a little different because if we just sit back and take punches like we have been, uh, we're going to end up get, being the one that gets knocked out, you know? And so they really thought about it this offseason and tried to, to put some emphasis on, hey, we're going to go out the right way. Uh, this is our last season in the Big 12. We won the first Big 12 championship. Let's go win the last one we're a part of. <laughs> and then last year in Austin, you lost such a close game to Alabama. It was just an amazing, thrilling game. This year you go into Tuscaloosa and then you win 34-24. It was a dominant win. I think that had to just been a shot in arm for the entire program and for the team to go into Tuscaloosa and have a win. I mean, it's unheard of to go to Alabama and win a game like that. Um, that must have really helped so much in terms of just the momentum for the season. Momentum for the season, I think it's a turning point for Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian had not been a great head coach until maybe this year. This is his best year ever as a head coach. And I think it was a turning point that proved to himself a little bit, hey, I can do this, my guys can do this. And for the Texas players who've been so down over the last, you know, 10 years or so, they, they just haven't been a very good team. Yeah, they've had a couple of wins. They beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl about five years back. But it hasn't been that same Texas team a lot of people are used to. Sark got them back in the right headspace. He's built the, the roster the right, right way. I just feel like they've got a, uh, they've got a situation right now that, is, that they can build on. I don't think this is going to be a one-year wonder or one-hit wonder for Texas and Steve Sarkisian. And I just wanted to touch on the Kansas game for a second that I was at. And Jonathan Brooks, the running back for Texas, who's injured now and not playing in the in the game. But one of the most I've seen so many football games in my life. And it was one of the most impressive running back performances I've ever seen in terms of his dominance. He rushed for 218 yards and was just a, almost you could tackle him every time he touched the ball. He scored a touchdown, it seemed like. And it was it's disappointing that Jonathan isn't able to make it into, into the college football playoffs with his injury. It's horrible. I mean, it, it was a bad injury. It was a. It looked like a nondescript tackle, and it ended up, ended up being a torn ACL against TCU. And he's been out ever since. Um, he is very meaningful for the team because the, the thing about Jonathan Brooks is he was kind of uh, indicative of the team as a whole that, uh, in this way. If you think about the NFL draft, Bijan Robinson went number, what, eight overall. He was the, the Texas running back. And then they had a backup running back that was kind of the leader of the team last year. His name's Roshan Johnson. Well, he went in the fourth round of the Chicago Bears. Jonathan Brooks didn't get much playing time at all last year. And all of a sudden, now he gets his chance to shine, and he just absolutely kills it. And then, you know, 
three quarters of the way into the season, they lose him to a knee injury. So, uh, yet still, the team bounced back, you know, and that's kind of been what Texas has been about this year. Every time they've been knocked down, whether it was a loss at, uh, I guess, Oklahoma, uh, whether it was a, a close win against an uh, overtime win against Kansas State, they've always kind of found a way to bounce back and uh, come back maybe a little stronger than they were the week before. I mean, this was a, a, a weird year in terms of the Oklahoma loss. Then you come back, you play Houston, and Quinn Ewers is injured in the game. You still win that game with Malik Murphy. Kansas State, as you mentioned, was in overtime. And then the CCU game, 29-26. So it was, you had some close games in those middle of the year, but just not getting that second loss, that's why you're playing. You know, if you got that second loss, you're out. You know, you're not in the playoff. You're not in consideration. But, but avoiding that second loss is the reason why uh, Texas is playing for, you know, with a chance to win the national championship. Yeah, that and that and the win against Alabama, you know, it, 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 that I think that cemented it because the, the playoff committee, as you know, they could not have put Alabama in over Texas when Texas had a and a double digit win over them at home, right? And I think that, along with the, the performance in Tuscaloosa and the way they finished the season, uh, you mentioned Kansas State. That overtime win was with Malik Murphy as the quarterback. Uh, Back, he was the backup for Texas this year until he trans, hit the transfer portal just now about a week ago and is headed to Duke. But, but Ira, you take all of that into consideration. Again, I, I just come back to resilience and a few playmakers. Ewers is one of them. Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver, is one. Adonai Mitchell is another. Um, they've got several different playmakers uh, that can, can really make big plays when it counts. And those guys are invaluable. Yeah, and I have a ton of Florida State fans. And, but if you look at how Florida State ended the season, you know, they finished undefeated, but it was like close games. They didn't look too well. Your last two games, Texas Tech 57-7, to Oklahoma State 49-21. It was total blowouts and domination. Again, that the finishing strong has to give you the momentum to go into that Washington game thinking, look, our last two games, we had two complete blowouts on the biggest stage. They're definitely peaking. They, at least they were at the end of the season. That was the best they had played all year outside of the Alabama game, those last two games. Um, they were both dominant wins, clear wins. I think it's more of Quinn Ewers maturing and the team believing in themselves more and more that, they, hey, we can do this. We can get to, we can get past the, get past all these teams and make it where it counts. I mean, personally, I feel horrible for Florida State. I mean, I, they did everything they could possibly put, do and put in front of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, I don't think Florida State would have beat Texas this year. I'll just put it that way. Not with, not without Jordan Travis. Texas, as good as Florida State's defense could be at times, Texas is going to score at least 25 to 30 points on just about anybody, including a team like Florida State or Alabama or whoever they, they get put in front of. So I went to the Kansas game, as I said, and, and I was there like two hours before the game, first person in the stadium, it seems like. And, and I love to watch the quarterbacks warm up. And then when they're not in their uniform, they're just in the shorts and a T-shirt. And just watch Quinn Ewers warm up and not just warm up, but talk to all the players. Just it seemed like he went on the field just staring, like visualizing the game. He was just so impressed by his, his just demeanor before the game. He wasn't goofing off, wasn't having fun. He was relaxed, but it seemed like he was just sinking it all in. And this was just you know, a game against Kansas. I was extremely impressed by just his preparation preparation for that game really good quarterback he's still learning um the thought right now i I spoke to his would-be agent i guess is the best way to put it (laughs) currently he's currently his marketing rep right because they have nil now and he is expected to return next year um 
And I think that Texas is, like I said, one of the reasons I believe Texas is, is, is in the position they're in right now has to do with their, their play at quarterback and who they've got in the pipeline at quarterback, plus what they're doing in, on the recruiting trail. I mean, Miami, as you know, just had a great recruiting class. Well, Texas had a great recruiting And they're, they're uh, absolutely uh, doing some great things there. I, I just feel like Texas, whether it's Quinn Ewers or a young guy like Anthony Hill, a defensive, uh, or excuse me, a linebacker that has caused, I think, four or five turnovers this year. They, they've got playmakers as well as good players. I, I think they've always had good players. The difference was that Texas the last 10 years or so didn't necessarily have playmakers. They're starting to get playmakers again, and that, that's when great things happen. And then there was a, all this controversy before the year started. They say, well, Arch Manning is going to be the quarterback. He's going to beat out Quinn Ewers. But people that I know were close to the program were like, no, they thought Quinn Ewers was going to be the quarterback. And Arch Manning was not going to get that. And it was a lot of noise outside of Texas, not inside Texas. And they love Arch Manning, but they feel that, you know, this is Quinn Ewers' team and he was easily going to have it. And if he comes back next year, he'll be the starting quarterback next year. Yes, uh, that, that's definitely the case. Um, C. Sarkeesian called uh, called. Win the starter after spring to, to kind of quiet all skeptics. And I think it worked out for him. You know, I mean, uh, yes, Arch Manning is insanely talented, by the way. The people that were saying he's just a, he's just a guy because of his last name, I, I think they need to wait and see. Uh, because the times that he's played have been outstanding. Uh, there's been some talk of him being uh, as good as anybody in the program at times, at quarterback already. Uh, so, there's been a lot of distractions that could have happened. We talked about those at the start with the last year of the SEC, uh, et cetera. Uh, but Texas somehow found a way to get through all of those distractions and try to put it all in place. I think Sark has been a, a tremendous steward of the program uh, and kind of driving that home. And I think that the players have kind of bought into it. It's, it's kind of the us-against-the-world mentality that uh, sometimes you need to, to, to find a – common ground or a common theme to grab onto and they've done that and on the defensive side of the ball Trevondre Sweat uh, defensive lineman tremendous who are some of the other players that on the Texas defense that you think would you know make the big play and also people that we can look at a lot of you know team a lot of fans watch these games you know they don't watch college football so much because they're like who's going to play next year in the NFL who's who's going to be drafted in the first round so this is a chance for them this to, to watch these players yeah I, you mentioned Trevondre Sweat he's the one that won the outland he's Six foot four, three hundred and sixty pounds. When he entered college, he was six foot four, two hundred and sixty pounds. Oh so he's, he's added. He's had a, a clean one hundred. He had a he had a good day at the buffet. Um, <laughs> the the you, you had him. Byron Murphy is another interior defensive lineman. Murphy actually has more disruptive numbers than Sweat. Sweat's more of that prototypical big interior guy that sometimes can get after the quarterback. Murphy's that 310, 315-pound guy that just gets off the ball really quickly, and he's going to be – he's only a junior, but he's already been invited to the Senior Bowl and all those sorts of things. Um, and so he's going to be a guy – I mentioned Anthony Hill. He's a freshman linebacker that has made play after play this year, uh, just kind of scintillating plays. He's kind of one of those guys where you just go, oh, he's a future NFL guy, right? Um, they also have a senior linebacker named Jalen Ford who led the team in tackles. Um, Manny Muhammad is a freshman cornerback that has had a couple of picks in uh, of late. They, they've got a well-rounded defense, but really they've got the majority of their star power on offense, in my opinion. And, and that's Quinn Ewers, Adonai Mitchell, uh, as well as Xavier Worthy. 
Well, it's going to be an exciting time in the Sugar Bowl. A lot of Texas fans, I'm sure, will be there. It's going to be almost feels like a home a home game a little bit, considering the proximity of Austin to New Orleans. But uh, so excited to have you on our show, Bobby, to talk about Texas football. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it, Iris. Y'all have a good one, and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much.